Namaste. Prayers and meditations. And today we read a prayer dated March 13th, 1914. It's a long prayer but a very interesting and engaging prayer. So normally we live in a consciousness which is a consciousness of multiplicity. So we, each one is different. That's what is multiplicity about. There are multiple, multiple people, things, objects, creatures. But this multiplicity is of two kinds. We normally think it's a horizontal multiplicity. But it is a vertical multiplicity. Because of the different grades of consciousness, we have a multiplicity which moves along an evolutionary ladder, hierarchy of evolutionary ladder. And she will reveal to us this truth. Now mystics jump from this multiplicity. This multiplicity is like an infinite grades of consciousness, number of ladder of consciousness as we find. But between each rung, there is all around Satchidananda, the one which supports this entire multiplicity. And from any of the grade, any of the rung, one can leap into the oneness, into the unity, consciousness of unity. So now we have two states of consciousness. One is of multiplicity and the other is of utter unity. Now those who leap into the unity, they don't know how to get back. So those who reach a point where the unity is becoming very evident, they linger on till they finally take a leap because how to get back to the multiplicity and resume the journey is something which uh, mystics knew about unity, they knew about multiplicity, but they didn't know what really connects the two. So, supermind is the link which connects the consciousness of unity with the consciousness of multiplicity. So, without supermind, it is not possible to have the divine perfection upon earth, it is not possible to have a divine life upon earth. Because that has the secret simultaneously of the unity and of the multiplicity. Let's take an example. There is something called as, uh, it's called as a disorder, but it's a very fascinating disorder, called as multiple personality disorder. Now, in that what happens when a person assumes a kind of personality, I have actually seen patients, say one becomes, uh, there was one man who was in the services, and one day he travelled in a different state, his personality changed and he he became a sweeper in a, in a truck. He completely forgot that other personality. This is the other story of a priest who went to Bombay. He completely became a different person. He got married, had children and he, there was no connection between this one and that one. And when he recovered the other one, he completely lost this one. So it's a very, you know painful condition for not so much for the person but for everybody else this man from the army he was living like a, almost like a beggar he was a sweeper in a truck and lorry getting some money finally he vagabonded into a temple where he was lying just like that like a you know beggar on the road and then one day somebody spotted him and he recognized that he is that you know and then he all came back and then this went into the background so there are states like that where one personality is completely disconnected with the other. So this is just an example to say that there is a state in which we enter into unity. And when we enter into the consciousness of unity, there is complete, almost a blotting out of all this. This appears like a cinema which is going on, which no sense of purpose. 
So there is a unity and there is all this which is going on like a mechanical thing, like shadows on the screen. Shubhinto describes that experience um, way back. And what is the way to link it? Because if we don't link it, it's there even in Savitri, in House of the Spirit and the New Creation. If we don't find the link, then always there will be a division, a gulf between God who is supreme unity as we understand and this creation which is, um, you know, full of variety and literally an unnumbered variety. So, one of the things that Shurabindo not just discovered but entered consciously and linked this creation with that is the supermind. So, from once the supermind, otherwise supermind and beyond is closed and below you have all this multiplicity. So, there is no access. Now, because of the opening of the doors of the supermind, that new consciousness which is now entering human consciousness, earth consciousness, it is creating this change shift if we subtly notice it where human beings are simultaneously become conscious of their individuality at the same time of a larger unity. So you see some of these movements which have come. It's a very small beginning, obscure. Not that people who are talking about earth and unity are living in that consciousness. But it is touching the human consciousness and awakening in it the simultaneity of these two poises and many other poises. So the mother describes this state where, which she doesn't use the word supermind here, but it's only there that you can see this great distinction between absolute consciousness on one side and the grades of consciousness on the other. And then she describes the work she is here to do. So we read this beautiful, um, very interesting experience. These experiences, someone may say that, you know, they are mother's experiences. Yes, but they reveal such a profound truth in such a simple way. It helps us understand creation, ourselves and the work. March 13, 1914. How many and different are the degrees of consciousness? It's one consciousness. There are no two consciousnesses. But it, by limiting itself, it becomes this, that, hundred things. Which we can understand at the level of, say, material objects. There are just about so many... How many in the periodic table, 108 or 107 elements are there? Or whatever is the number. And then out of that you have so many, so many types of different, you know, combinations because of which molecules and chemicals which emerge. And if you go into the heart of them, you'll see only atoms. So atoms go into the heart, you'll see the same constituent. But how many are created out of that? So there is one consciousness which becomes many, many, many grades. Why? How it becomes? By holding back something within itself, forgetting it completely and putting a little bit in the front. This word should be reserved for that which in a being is illumined by thy presence, identifies itself with thee and participates in thy absolute consciousness. For that which is knowledge, which is perfectly awakened as says the Buddha. So, we use the word God, we use the word absolute consciousness. Now, this word is reserved only for somebody who has gone beyond and realized that consciousness of unity. That is the meaning of awakened one. Awakened one is somebody who knows the unity behind all the manifold appearances. This is the awakening. And why it is called as awakening or enlightenment is suddenly you realize that all these seeming objects... Hanging in space and time 
is just different seemings of the one reality. So it's a tremendous awakening, very powerful. It can radically alter the way we look at life, the way we deal with life. Outside this state, that is the state of absolute consciousness, there are infinite degrees of consciousness descending down to the complete darkness. The veritable inconscience, which may be a domain not yet touched by the light of thy divine love. Then she puts it in bracket, but that appears improbable in physical substance. So, though it looks as if it has not been touched, see in Savitri, Shubhendra describes this experience where for a moment, even Savitri as if loses her own existence because that's a state where divine has lost himself completely. He is the one who has become this. So, to remain conscious there, so momentarily there is a lapse and Satyavan vanishes. But next moment she comes out and then there is the gleam, there is hope and all that happens. So this is a state, but she says it appears improbable in physical substance or which is. So why physical substance? Because in physical substance uh, is emerging out of the inconscience because of the action of the divine descent. So it says it is there, divine love is there. In, or which is by reason of some ignorance outside our individual region of perception. So it is, first he says that it seems as if it is untouched by the divine love or it is outside the capacity for perception because their perception vanishes, collapses. There the capacity of experience vanishes. There, there is no way you can know what is there. That's why it is a shadow of the uh, infinite above. Because it is the divine has himself lapsed into that state. So even the divine entering there becomes as if unconscious. So it said later on she enters consciously, identifies, but all that is later on. But right now she is describing this experience. This is, however, only a way of speaking and a very incomplete one at that. For at the moment when the being becomes aware of thy presence and identifies itself with thy consciousness... It is conscious in everything and everywhere. So she says that on one side, it is a state where there is complete lapse of consciousness. But with this presence, it is conscious of that presence everywhere in everything. That's why she says it is very difficult to translate this experience. Shubindu says in one of his poems, Pilgrim of the Night, where he says, Carrying in my breast God's deathless light, I came a dark and dangerous heart to view. So, this is what is described in Savitri also. But the figurative, but the fugitive duration of this supreme consciousness can be explained only by the complexity of the elements of the being, by their inequality in the illumination and by the fact that they enter successively into activity. It is moreover by reason of this successive activity that little by little they can become aware of themselves. As a result of their subjective and objective experiences. This is one of the most profound experiences she is describing. So what she is describing is that in that state, that sense of the divine presence is very fugitive. It comes and vanishes. Because all the complexity of being is submerged there. And through activity it becomes aware, one by one. So out of that darkness, let us say... Um, it starts with those Datya-like activities. That's why that is the domain of the Datyas, then later on the Rakshasas, Pishachas, Asuras. Because through activity they become conscious. 
who are they then slowly slowly they will climb all the way up but through activity they become conscious little by little and then she uses the word subjective and objective experiences so we often divide these two worlds what is inside me is subjective now actually if we look at it what is outside us all creation let's take an example of a human being when he writes a book or a poem or a music where did the music come from from within so that poem that book that song that music is an objectivization of what is inside so the universe is an objectivization of the supreme subject in him the two are one in vyasa's heart mahabharata is one with vyasa in his subjective being so ultimately all things can be actually resolved into the subjective state vyasa is experiencing mahabharata if somebody asked him before writing the mahabharata what is inside you he would say mahabharata will it make sense no it is not an objective reality then he starts bringing it outside so to say and as he brings it outside there is a progression in time and space within his heart there is the whole mahabharata any poem when we write or a article there is a theme there is a idea which is already there but when it expresses itself it expresses itself step by step little by little little by little and finally there is the whole story so subjective and objective are two ways of saying the same thing they are one half written story of creation where is the other half in the subject half written poem where is the other half in the subject now it is also called as manifest and unmanifest so she says that what we call as subjective and this objective where does this objective come from it is from the supreme he objectivizes himself subjective and objective experiences which come to the same thing that is to say discover the in their unfathomable essence and actually we see any activity every activity outside represents a state of consciousness inside so uh, this world if we look you know other day i day i was in let's say there are actual games of cruelty so what does it represents a state of cruelty within man equally there are places spaces very few unfortunately still which represents the sublime what does it represent it represents a sublime state within us and we can see in the earth there are uh, deep holes where those snakes and all these reside what do they represent they represent the inner abysses in which these hostile forces hide and take shelter so it is this subjective which creates the objective in terms of creation it is the creator but in every human being the same truth applies this subconscious is the intermediate zone between precise perception and the total darkness of the ignorance so uh, now we should not compare it with shubhendu's terminology because the mother is yet to meet shubhendu and shubhendu is yet to ride the arya so she is using the terminology subconscious if somebody says but shubhendu has used it in this way it won't be uh, correct so what she is saying is that the utter inconscient out of which the first thing that awakens is the subconscious and that is the life of the all these dark creatures they won't straight away awaken to that so subconscious is the intermediary zone between clear perception and the total darkness of inconscious and now she says something interesting it is probable that the majority of beings even of human beings 
live constantly in this subconscious few emerge from it so what is subconscious there is a mechanical unthinking activity so between the clarity of perception and the total darkness there is a mechanical unthinking activity so most human beings act like that routinely mechanically based on habits patterns they have learned they keep on reproducing it even in thoughts feelings it is the same pattern many people because they picked up if you ask them why do you do they know our grandparents used to do it this is the society's uh, norm this is how everybody thinks so it is nothing but subconscious which is frightening and it can go to that extent that even the cells keep on acting subconsciously so that's why we have certain they respond to certain um, uh, you know certain hits from outside certain forces by either multiplying or falling ill so they can be trained to react in different ways that's of course uh, far too into the territory of the yoga but this subconscious helps in a way to preserve something so for the body this subconscious preserves its constant state there are carbon copies imagine otherwise you know if there is a totally different child in a parent they would wonder about the parentage but the dna examination will tell you but it is like that because of this strong subconscious imprint you see that they keep on reproducing like carbon copies but this subconscious can change that's why the mother says when a child is conceived if you have beautiful thoughts if you even see beautiful images that pattern can impose itself but for most human beings it's a repetitive thing then she says this is the conquest that is to be made because if the subconscious remains forever controlling us then all our reactions habits will be along that pattern that's what most people say character cannot be changed and you ask people they say it's my nature at one point even dying is a nature it's a habit so this subconscious has to be conquered if there has to be change for to be conscious in the true sense of the word is to be thou integrally it is not enough that one is conscious of the divine in some deep inner state when one is meditating in samadhi trance or you know goes up and becomes conscious of the divine that is easy but integrally means at all the layers and levels of the being and is not that the very definition of the work to be accomplished the mission to be fulfilled upon the earth so completely she has described the whole process that there is a infinite ladder of consciousness through which the consciousness one which has lapsed into that utter oblivion is climbing and in that process the subconscious realms are where it is beginning to become aware and unfortunately most of humanity is there and unless one conquers the subconscious there is no way you can free humanity from the clutch in which it is caught so you know it we can take examples like you have the story in you know moses story where people are slaves so he goes and tells them why do you want to be slave is it no but that's our destiny same thing that story of the cub which become is brought up by the sheep so it doesn't believe that it is capable of you know leonine greatness it believes it's a sheep so we are governed so much by the subconscious that's why the role of parent this why in india this was used in the way of putting sanskar so from childhood you are reminded you tell a child and remind that you know we come from the divine essence who is our parent the divine is our parent then slowly uh, 
this goes and starts acting at some level. It's using subconscious methods to at least cleanse the subconscious a little. And um, this can be very interesting, you know, this divine experience. So there was a person who traveled to Iran, a doctor, and they asked him for his Gita. They checked up and found the Gita. They threw it into the fire. Then they found this... Um, he was also carrying a photo of Shiva and Parvati with Nandi. So he asked, whose picture is this? So he said, my parents. So then they said, <laughs> quizzically, strange parents, but gave, it, gave back the picture. <laughs> so you see, there is this parents. Now we are born and brought up. It becomes so easy for us to accept certain things like, you know, surrender because of the imprints which have been created. Deliver us, O Lord, from darkness. Grant that we may be perfectly awakened. So the awakening here is not just awakening to the absolute consciousness of unity. It is awakening to that absolute consciousness in all the domains of being, even where it is completely eclipsed. And that is a big challenge of the work. That's why layer by layer we all become conscious in this yoga of all that is inside us. Ordinarily, we are not conscious. When you start the yoga, you are a very good person. And all others are bad. Then as you proceed, you realize this is in me, this also, this also. Really, you realize your subconscious is made up of the same elements, which is there in the universe. And then the real work begins, because one begins to become aware that everything is inside everybody. I mean, at least in the person, he has to become aware of that. Sweet master of love, Grant that my consciousness may be concentrated in thee so that I may live only by the love and light and that love and light may radiate through me and awaken all on our passage. Let this physical journey be a symbol of our action and let us everywhere leave a trace of thee like a trail of light and love. So what is the way, she says, to become one with the divine? And to radiate that divinity all around. This is the path of awakening every element. In one of her conversations uh, re recorded by Monada in that book, The Supreme, she says, you know, my child, wherever I put my feet, I have set the supramental force into action in matter in atoms. Now, somebody who has not read this prayer may say, oh, I don't know whether it is true or not. Here she is describing that. All through wherever she is going, that physical journey is a symbol of the journey what is the journey she has to undertake? All the different domains. She has to go up and down bringing light and love and all the divine elements, awakening them there. O oh, divine master, eternal teacher, thou livest in everything, in every being and thy love becomes evident even to the eyes of the most ignorant. By her mere presence, the awakening comes. That's what the divine does. The divine doesn't um, have to say anything or give a mantra or do this. A contact with the divine power, the divine force, the divine being awakens the divine element within us which is asleep, buried behind the mass of subconscious. And suddenly our life becomes to change. It's like a seed which has been buried suddenly remembers that, oh, I have to grow into a tree. And life begins to change. That's what was the experience of many people with Sri Aurobindo the mother. This is the rarest kind of diksha that can ever be given. But this is the process. 
to awaken that element inside. Grant that all may be conscious of it in the depths of their being and that hatred may disappear forever from their hearts. What is the root of hatred? Root of hatred is an acute form of egoism. It is love which has become its very opposite. True love is all about giving. Hatred comes from wanting and unhappiness that comes because I am not getting what I really want. So that's where love changes into hatred. My ardent gratitude rises towards thee like an untired chant. Namaste. Namaste.